and I'm certainly not going to have any hair left at it at the end of it. I can guarantee you that. I think it's it's going to be quite a stressful one because you want to make sure that you're taking the right players to suit those conditions, that environment, and ultimately what games of cricket for us. Welcome to another Cricket Scotland podcast. I'm Jake Perry. And I'm Rosie Ryan. We've got another full to burst in show for you today with all the news from the sun-kissed weekend of domestic cricket. We'll be looking back on the Women's Super Series and more crucial results at both ends of the Eastern Premier. And we'll be finding out how Fergusley got on as they travelled to unbeaten Clydesdale in the Western Premier Division. And it's with Fergusley that we'll start, who defeated Stirling County by eight wickets in the final of the Rowan Cup last Thursday, bringing the cup to Meikle Riggs for the first time in 61 years. It was a magnificent performance led by skipper Haroon Tahir's 3-for-24 and Adil Ghaffar's unbeaten half-century. Many congratulations from us all, and to Stirling too, for their excellent campaign. Safia and Sharif, George Munsey and Cal McLeod were all in the news too, having been drafted in by Kent for the final two matches of their group in the Vitality Blast. They came away with a win and a loss, Safia taking two for ten in the win over Middlesex and Callum topping scores with 31 against Sussex. And talking of domestic competitions down south, tomorrow sees the start of The 100, which features plenty of Scottish interest in Catherine Bryce, Abdurham Maksud and Sarah Bryce, whose team, the Oval Invincibles, will play the first game live on the BBC. All our very best to all three. It's going to be a fantastic occasion. We also received the news of the revised draw for the first round of the Men's T20 World Cup. Scotland has been drawn alongside Oman, Papua New Guinea and Bangladesh in the first phase of the competition, which is now being played in the UAE in October. And looking ahead to that tournament, Scotland head coach Shane Berger has named a 40-strong pool of players to play a series of trial matches ahead of the selection of the all-important final 15. Earlier in the week, Rosie and I caught up with him to ask about the squad, the trial process and the most recent cricket that the group has played. Hi Shane, great to have you back on the podcast. Thanks Rosie, you know how much I always look forward to talking to yourself and Jake. It's a particularly exciting time for Scottish cricket and I'm looking forward to just speaking through the very exciting things that are currently happening. Well, quite a lot has happened since we last saw you. Uh, there were the games in Rotterdam, which gave him some international cricket at last. And then that extraordinary match a couple of weeks ago down in Durham, where the team really put down a marker for the T20 World Cup later in the year. What are your reflections on all of that? Well, in a nutshell, the first thing is just experiencing life in the bubble for the first time, going across to Rotterdam. And it's a very new experience for a lot of the players, the staff, just to get into a bubble where you're very much confined to the hotel. You get tested pretty much every second day. So someone's shoving something up your nose every second day. Um, and then you just um, anxiously await these results so that cricket can resume. So that that was a real learning for us as a team and a squad. And, and moving forward into the World Cup and into Cricket World League 2 stuff, but these bubbles are going to be around for, for a long time to come. So we have to get used to them. We have to embrace them. We have to learn how to how to um, just really use it to our advantage, you know. It, it, it gives a squad a lot more time to spend together. 
and from a strategy point of view and <clears throat> and everything you can use that to your advantage. So the, the the matches were it was really good to to have a return to cricket. I think we really found ourselves short in that first game as a real lack of of match practice, which we can put that down to. Uh, we didn't em- we didn't embrace the conditions and adapt as quickly as we should have. But but the learnings from that and then seeing the way the guys did that in the second game was was really good to see. Um, we learned really quickly. Um, the attitude of the the players was superb. And uh, and really good to see those performances. You know, if I think of, of the way George Munsey played during that series, the way Ali Evans bowled, um, you know, a real sort of return to 50-over form for him. And then in amongst really other good performances. So um, so it was really great to see the return of cricket and um, really exciting time for Scottish cricket now. And the Durham game, as you had mentioned, Rosie, I probably should just have a quick chat about that, was was good because it, it, as much as it was... Um, probably a, a weaker Durham team. They, they had a few of their first teamers, a couple of their second teamers. It was still an opportunity for us to go out and, and sort of play the brand of cricket we want to play, send a message out that, that Scotland's still here to to contend. And um, we picked as strong a possible team as we could. We unfortunately lost Kyle just before the game and, and Crossy, and we were able to replace him with Ollie Hayes and Josh Wood, who's a young guy coming through the system. And Ollie Hayes is just in the form of his life at the moment. So... We went across, sent a great message again, and, and the players um, certainly went across and did a fantastic job. Yeah, as you say, I mean, the form of, of so many players has been outstanding, particularly with the bats. I mean, you mentioned uh, Ollie Hares, uh, Matthew Cross has been in outstanding form too. George Munsey springs immediately to mind as well. Um, and another one is Dylan Budge. Uh, that trip to the Netherlands and what happened from that first game to the next seems to have really reignited the form at national level that we've so often seen from him in club cricket over the years. Well, Dylan's always had a huge capacity to score runs, you know, and as a batter, that, that's your currency, isn't it, to, to go out and score runs. Um, he's very unorthodox in many ways, and uh, and Dylan's taken on a role now at number six where he, he yeah, some occasions comes in when you fall down pretty early on and you're still going to go and win the game, or you might be setting a target and he comes in very late, so... He's got to probably be one of the more adaptable batters within the lineup, and uh, and that's a role that he's still coming to terms with. Really exciting thing for me with Dylan is just his capacity to learn and his 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 appetite to want to keep learning. And he would have certainly taken a lot away from the way he played in that first game to him then getting the forty not outs in the second game, and then to go into a Durham game absolutely dominate. He was he was forty runs of thirty three balls, and he then got to eighty or forty balls. You know, so it was it was an incredible shifting gears from him and just his intensity. And I think the learnings he took from that first game in, in the Netherlands will really, you know, leave him in a good place moving forward. So looking ahead now, the journey to the UAE officially began this week. A major part of Scotland's preparation is the trial process uh, for which you have named a 40-strong squad. Before we chat about some of the names that are in it, can you tell us a little bit more about what's happening towards the selection of the final squad for the tournament? That's a good question, Rosie. So we we have named a 40-man squad and, and there's even a few names that we've we've left off then. We'll go into more details on, on some of the names that are in that squad. But the process moving into the World Cup is, is very much, uh, you know, it's an opportunity for us to pick the best balanced team we can with all the options we have available to us. And and 
And how we do that is going to be an incredibly tough and robust process. And I'm certainly not going to have any hair left at it at the end of it. I can guarantee you that. I think it's it's going to be quite a stressful one because you want to make sure that you're taking the right players to suit those conditions, that environment, and ultimately what games of cricket for us. And I do believe we have more than 15 that we can take at this current stage that can go and do a job. So it's about giving every single player within the squad the best opportunity to, to show us what they're all about and to, to grab a, a spot on that plane going to the World Cup. So currently it's 15 players, but um, we know in the current climate of things with COVID, it might it might have to be a few more. So we're hoping for that the ICC will will allow us to take a few more and we can we can offer opportunities to to a few more of those players. The process also includes a trial series where we take uh, 36 of those players that we've selected or 33 on any given game day. We're going to pick three teams and we're going to play double headers on every single day and put up our 33 best names against one another um, every single day and get four games of cricket for each player. So it's, it's a good chance for them to, to get game time, to show us what they're all about. But there's many other things you take into the equation too. It can't just be four games of cricket, you know. It's a build-up into that period. And it's about also taking current form, guys that inform, guys who've played county cricket, who are currently playing county cricket. So it's just about getting that mix and that blend of, of players right within the squad. And looking at the, the names within the squad as well, some very familiar uh, names, of course, some, some less so. And in George Scott and Scott Steele, there are two newly qualified players as part of it. Can you tell us a little bit about them? Yeah, as you mentioned, recently qualified. They've gone on a journey over the last year and a half to become uh, a Scottish qualified player. Uh, really, really nice to always hear how passionate they were when I phoned them and told them that they'd qualified for Scotland, how, how emotional they actually got, which is always a really good sign. And, um, you know, for them in George Scott, you've got a 23-year-old all-rounder who hits the ball incredibly hard. He's got long levers. He, he can bowl um, and extract real bounce out of a wicket. He's, he's a bit taller, so he gets good bounce. He can, he's got good skills with the ball, good, good variations, and has the ability to shape the ball. So he's, he's a genuine all-rounder. And, and with, with him being only 23, you know, that's, that's a pretty good place, place to be and having an, another all-rounder within the squad. Scott Steele's a young guy who's currently playing for Leicester. He's, 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 I don't want to classify him as a T20 specialist, but he certainly does excel in the, in the T20 game. He's, he's put in some good performances for Leicester this year. He opens the batting and he's got the ability to volley four overs of offspin. So he's quite a versatile player, very unorthodox um, and just a great kid. So it's in, in there we have two more players that we can throw into the mix and really not only provide pressure to other players to keep performing, but it just just add a couple of new skills into the mix, you know, in terms of our squad and our and this group of players. Which ultimately, it's not just about the 2021 T20 World Cup for Cricket Scotland. You know, there's got to be a longer term vision in place. So it's about the 2022 T20 World Cup, the 2023 50 over World Cup, and then full membership. You know, so we have to make sure that we have uh, really good depth within the squad. And players that can take over from your Carl Kutzes and your and your Richie Berrytons of the world. And uh, there's another notable name included too in Chris Soul, but another that's missing as well, Shane. Yeah, so as uh, one soul replaces another soul, um, and it's uh, you know incredibly sad for me to, to announce that Tom Soul's decided to take uh, indefinite break away from the game. You know, I think. <clears throat> in a time where the world has gone, the world's in a really tough place, you know, in terms of the pandemic, 
Tom has also had his struggles with uh, not being able to bowl and going through that process. It's 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 a really really exhausting process and a tough process to deal with. And and Tom's made the decision just to take a break away from the game. And and you know if Tom decides to come back, we'll open. We'll you know we'll have we'll welcome him back with open arms. But um, as his brother did, you know, his brother decided to take a break away from the game for a while. But we can see he's back in and as energised and as enthusiastic as ever is Chris Sol. And it's great to have him back in. And he provides us with, with an element of real pace. But just to get back to Tom, you know, we, we certainly hope that we get that phone call in seven, eight, nine months' time. And he says he'd like to take up the game again. But if that doesn't happen, we, we also try to keep him close to the squad bar by getting him to come and do his other passion, which is videography. Um, so um, so we're still keeping him close enough and, and trying to make sure that we keep him involved in the game. Well, all our very best to Tom as well as he embarks on his, his next chapter, as you say, very much hope that that does involve cricket in the, in the future too. So as Rosie was saying earlier, this week marked the official beginning of that road to the UAE process. Um, Shane, are you able to share a little of what you said to the players with us? <laughs> well, the first thing I, I put on the whiteboard to the players was the, the number 97, and that was on Tuesday. And the reason for putting that number 97 on was was that was the day's left of the first game of the World Cup. Um, and and we, just, we just really, from there, plotted and planned what what our goals were, what we wanted to achieve in the tournament. And the players were really open and honest. Um, you obviously have some different characters within the squad and everybody thinks that a little bit differently, but ultimately it's about aligning the players to what we want to achieve as a team. And then we just really just sort of split into groups and, and spoke about and asked various questions and how we were going to do this, how we were going to train, how we were going to uh, ultimately achieve our goal. And, and for me, Jake, the process never started on Tuesday. It actually started a while back. Um, it was just another stepping stone with where we are, just checking in with what we needed to do. And, uh, and then we went from there and started our, our training session on Tuesday and there was real sort of energy and a buzz around, which was great to see. And uh, the other thing we also need to keep in mind, I mentioned this, this bigger vision and this longer-term process. It's not just about the T20 World Cup because before we get to the T20 World Cup, there's Cricket World League two games, four really important games that are going to take place in Amman, which is where the T20 World Cup is going to be held, one of the hosts. And we have the opportunity to win four games of cricket and make sure that we get to the top of the Cricket World League 2 uh, table. So, I, in my opinion, and in, in, in all of the players' opinions, that is as important as going to that T20 World Cup. So, it's just about finding that balance and making sure that we get the guys to fire during that time, during that September and October period. Shane Berger. And so, on to last weekend's domestic action, beginning at Titwood, where round two of the Women's Super Series was played on Sunday. And a day to remember, Rosie. It certainly was, as the Ross 11 took two wins out of two to go 3-1 up in the series against the Sutton 11. But far more from that, it was a day full of high-quality batting from both sides. The Sutton 11 set the tone in Game 1, posting 154 for four. Emma Walsingham's 31 ball 42 and 20 ball 31 from captain Priyanaz Chatterjee being one of the highlights. Priyanaz cleaving the rope three times as the two put on a partnership of 72. But the Ross 11 chased it down in style. Skipper Becky Glenn leading the way with a 27 ball 37 and Catherine Fraser 
playing an important late hand to see our side over the line for a three-wicket win with four balls to spare. The Ross 11 was straight out of the blocks in game two. Elsa Lister smashing a quick 15 before Becky and Abby Aitken Drummond took 22 off the fourth as the score rattled towards 50. The loss of Becky did nothing to spoil the momentum as Abby hit her stride with a 31 ball 49, hitting three sixes in all before Orla Montgomery squeezed a Yorker under a bat, one short of her 50. There were contributions all down the card as the Ross 11 pushed past 150. Catherine Fraser providing another late cameo as our side posted 170 all out with an over to spare. It was a big total, but the Suttons started well as 13 came off the first over, then 12 from the second, but regular wickets stopped that momentum from developing. Something was needed to hold the innings together, and it so nearly came from Priyanaz, whose brilliant 56, just off 27 balls, took her side closer and closer towards the target. Neve Robertson-Jack provided some terrific support, but when Priyanaz fell, caught by Hannah Rainey, there was just too much left to do. Neve Muir joined the namesake for some excellent late hitting, but the Sutton 11 finished 12 runs short at the end. So after the game, Jake spoke to the two captains, Priyanaz Chatterjee and Becky Glenn. Well, Becky, congratulations, two wins today. Thank you, it's been a great day, hey? Certainly has, and uh, some fantastic cricket being played. Lots for you to be uh, very pleased with your, with your team's performance. Yeah, really pleased, especially the batting. Obviously, great deck here, um, and we've capitalised on that and we scored some good runs, so happy. They were chasing really well in that second uh, second game in particular. Priyanaz, when she was motoring along, gave you a few a few nervous moments. Yeah, it was getting a bit tight at the end, actually. Um, great wicket from Anne to get her out, and Naz was batting so well. Um, giving me a few hiccups, didn't quite know who to who to bowl, but um, getting her out was really big and that tipped it for us. And so on to fourths next week, 3-1 up in the series. Yeah, really exciting. Hopefully we'll um, keep the momentum going into that and bowl and field a little bit better than we did here. Yeah, two more wins would be great. Well, Priyanas, two defeats today, but an awful lot of positives to take away from this game from your team. Yeah, I mean, obviously we would have wanted two wins and um, certainly in that first game it got very close. Um, we could have got over the line, but we didn't quite manage it. But yeah, I think there's a lot of positives from the two games, um, particularly or specifically in the batting department. I think that was really positive to see um, two really high scoring games actually from both from both teams. And talking of which, your own performance has been absolutely outstanding today in, in the first game and then a, a terrific 50 in the second. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> a really good bit of form you're in at the moment. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, it, it was just clicked today. I'm not really sure why. It was a very good batting wicket. I think it, lots of people did well, but um, yeah, it just seemed to to work out today. <laughs> and as you say, in terms of the pitch, I mean, well over 600 runs scored here today. It just shows what can be done on a fresh pitch. Um, a really good batting track, as you say, uh, like Clydesdale provided today. Yeah, exactly. So like a massive thanks to the club for providing that. Um, but I think it's just very exciting for um, women's cricket in Scotland. We haven't seen this like, high scoring games before. So it's really exciting um, at the regional level and also hopefully at like the national level when we bring these kind of sides together. This is turning into a terrific tournament and a significant one too. After the game, I was chatting with a few of the players who were talking about some of their bowling or fielding being a bit awry. But for me, thinking of the international side, the bigger picture is much more significant. 
Bowling has always been one of Scotland's strengths, but when it comes to fielding, that can be improved, and we saw the level that it can get to in that first T20 against Ireland a few weeks back. Scotland's Achilles heel has traditionally been with the bat, and if the players can continue in this way through the rest of the tournament, posting big scores, playing their shots with confidence, expressing themselves, that is something massive to take into the national team. Huge credit to Clydesdale, who, like our broth last week, were fabulous hosts, and they provided a terrific track to bat on. I am very excited to see what happens at Forfarshire next week. So let's move on to the Eastern Premier League, where there was double headers of games over the weekend. Unfortunately, Gary Heatley has been called away at last minute today. But we do have his report, Jake. We do, and thanks to Gary for this. Uh, after what was a significant couple of days at both ends of the table, and it's Harriets who are sitting at the top after two huge wins over the weekend. Mark Wattsmen bowled out previous leaders Grange for 127 at Golden Acre on Saturday on their way to a win by seven wickets. And then it was Royal Hiker Storfin who could not handle their informed bowlers being skittled out for just 41 in reply to 246 for six, as Heriot's recorded a 205-run triumph at Barnton. That means Heriot's have now won eight of their nine completed league matches to date in 2021, and on Saturday, opening bowlers Elliot Ruthven and Gavin Main were the stars of the show. Ruthven took four for 32 and Main three for 33 as the usually fluent Grange batting lineup struggled to make it past three figures. Adrian Neal also took two wickets and Skipper Watt won, while Gordon Gowdy's battling 40 helped Grange to at least get to 127. Gowdy then removed Peter Ross and Matthew Cross in the first over of the Harriet's reply, but 36 from Hayes van der Berg and then 39 not out for Watt and 42 not out from Lloyd Brown saw the hosts home. Sunday was considerably more comfortable, Cross making 85, Watt 52 not out and Keith Morton 40 as Heriot's posted a solid looking total batting first against RHC. Joe Kinghorn Gray then took 3 for 12 against his former side with Neil returning exactly the same figures and young Ewan Hutchinson 4 for 9 to wrap up the positive result and leave Heriot's out in front. Let's hear from skipper Mark Watt. Two great wins, very professional job both days. The seamers set the tone yesterday by charging in and just putting the ball on top of off and just keeping it real simple. And um, I think that was a bit too much for the Grange, um, the Grange top order. Gav men bowled as well as I've seen them bowl for a while yesterday, just just banging away and being patient at the top of off. Elliot Rutherford, who's been sh- not struggling but um, hasn't hasn't reaped the rewards of uh, how well his bowling really came through yesterday and had a magnificent uh, comeback spell and uh, picked up three key wickets in the middle, which kind of put us in the front foot uh, for the rest of the game. So, Ellie Rutherford pulled um, exceptionally well yesterday and reaped the rewards. Batting-wise, um, obviously, Gowdy did his thing up top with a new ball, and then we knew he'd do that. And, you know, he's a quality bowler, so... Uh, it was just about digging in and seeing off the new ball, seeing off him and Budgie swinging it with the new ball, a bit of nip off the deck. Um, but the wicket, was, the wicket was nice to bat on once he got through that tricky period. And... Yeah, it was great to see Lloyd coming in and having a good positive intent with the bat and putting away the bad ball. So, um, yeah, just a real professional performance uh, on Saturday against against a very strong Grange lineup. And today, uh, again, just very professional. It was a good toss to win. Uh, it was a tricky wicket at, um, at RHC um, at Barton. Crossy and Mortz batted really well, just batted time out there, and that's what we really needed them to do is just bat time and, we said that if we can bat the whole 50 overs, like we'll win this game. So, 
Um, it was just about being patient and um, yeah, Crossy batted magnificently. Um, but special mention to Morris because he's not had um, had that opportunity to open before, and um, yeah, he batted really well with it. Um, with the ball today, I think everyone, uh, Joey Kinghorn and Adrian Neal set the top, set the um, standard at the top, both picking up three wickets, and then the spinners, young uh, Ewan Hutchison, who's been bowling well on the two, has got his opportunity in the one today, and then grabbed it with both hands and took four for nine, I think it was something, something crazy. So uh, it's great for him to be in the wickets and be confident, and then overall, Henry's in a good spot at the moment, uh, sitting at the top of the table. So. Hopefully we can stay there for as long as possible. Carlton are up to second after they continued their fine run of recent form, backing up Saturday's triumph at Stonywood Dice with another win against Grange on Sunday. Shuja Khan hit 94 and Fraser Burnett 81 as they made 297 for 9 batting first in Aberdeen in the first game with Shiv Gupta and Rory McIntyre sharing seven wickets between them as Stonywood Dice were 69 all out in reply. And then at Portgower Place, Tom Simpson's fine 85 helped Carlton make 232 against Grange, enough to take them to a 26-run win in the end. So two losses for Grange over the weekend then, but they are still very much in that title hunt. Forfarshire are up to third after two big wins, by 172 runs over Watsonians and then 178 runs over Arbroath United, thanks to 101 from Michael Leesk. But things are also hotting up at the other end of the table too, where Stuart's Melville's six-wicket victory over fellow strugglers Meagle was cancelled out by a one-wicket defeat to Watsonians in a dramatic game on Sunday. Meagle, meanwhile, recovered from their disappointment by beating Stonywood Dice by seven wickets to move off the bottom of the table. With Stonywood facing Forfarshire and Stumel Herriot's next week, Charles Clarkside's trip to Lachlan's on Sunday is a big one. Thanks for updating us there, Jake. And thanks to Gary for giving us that update as well. Looking forward to seeing you back with us next week. And Jake, you were at Titwood again on Saturday for the big game in the Western Premier Division. That's right, Rosie, uh, where Fergus Lee ended Clydesdale's long unbeaten run in the league with a 30-run win on the back of a brilliant 100 from Captain Riyad Henry. Fergus Lee started well after deciding to bat, Riyadh and Tamor Ahmed making the most of the fast outfield to take the score on to 76 for 2 after 20, but the informed Tamor was out to a great low court and bowl by Zishan Bashir. But Riyadh moved serenely on. He is such an entertaining player to watch, very natural sort of cricketer, full of languid drives and deft little late cuts. And after passing 50 with a clip behind square, he played a flick off his legs for 6 to move on to 67 in the 35th. The 150 was up by the end of the over as the Fergusley skipper continued to move through the gears, pulling Daniel Cairns for back-to-back fours. And although Omar Hussain fell shortly after for 23, Riyadh brought up his 100 and the team 200 with a scoop to fine leg. Two more fours took him to 108, but that was it as he was bowled next over to end a terrific knock of the highest quality. David Stafford led the way with some late hitting to get the score up to 247 in the end, Imran Mughal taking 4 for 47 for the hosts. And then Adil Ghaffar made it difficult for Clydesdale as they began the chase, both he and Riyadh beating the bat and creating chances. And it was the pacey Ghaffar who made the breakthrough as wicketkeeper James Gawling was caught behind. But Paddy Barber and Craig Young stood firm, Barber bringing up his 50 two balls after the team passed 100, and with Young following suit in the 32nd, Fergusley were in desperate need of a breakthrough. 
and it came in the next over as Barber nicked behind for 60 and then two runouts, one a calamitous mix-up which left Young stranded, put the visitors back in the driving seat. A fantastic over-the-shoulder running catch from Riyadh removed Fazal Jawad and that was pretty much that, Clydesdale reaching 217 for 9 in the end. So a great win to add to Fergusley's Round Cup. And after it, I spoke to the captains, Paddy Barber and first, Riyadh Henry. Well, Riyadh, an historic week for the club and a fantastic way to round it off. Yes, yeah. Uh, like I said, we, we were looking to try and build momentum um, from two weeks ago and, and we're really starting to do that now. It's, now it's just a case of how long can we, can we keep it going. It would be nice if we do it for the full second half. That would be good. Built on a fantastic innings of yourself, 108. A rich vein of form you're in at the moment, you could say. Yes, yeah, I, I, I feel good. Um, I don't know where it's come from, um, but long may it last. I just got to keep working hard and keep trying to stay in that zone. Um, it's a nice place to be. So, and uh, didn't have it all your own way in the the second innings. A really fine partnership between Craig Young and uh, Paddy Barber made it difficult for a while but you could see what it meant to the team to to pull those wickets back and stick at the task in the way they did yeah i mean you know like like we've discussed before even without a full strength side clays they will always be a really strong team they've got good gritty players they've got talented skillful players as well and, and we knew it was going to be tough for them as a chase but we also knew that they will come out and try and fight they're not a team who's going to give it out easy um and and credit to them they did they batted well and we just knew we had to keep doing uh, bowling up bowls and, and fielding well, and they've got to chase that game. So chance will come. We just have to take it, and that's what we did. Congratulations again. Thank you very much. Thanks. Well, commiserations, Paddy. Great game of cricket, but just not not to be today. Yeah, no, it, it was a good game. Um, good wicket, good outfield. I think they were probably about par, to be honest. Um, and then I think we timed, we almost timed the chase perfectly. We just lost a clump of wickets about the 35th, and that's really when you want to start accelerating. And then last 10, needing 90 with five in hand, you're in with a shout, but then you need a couple of big overs. We just didn't get them, and then kind of fizzled out a wee bit, but um, plenty of positives to take as well. Yeah, and a huge part of that positive message to take is, is of course, the fact that that's your, only your first defeat of the season. You're still in an extremely strong position in the league. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, winning those five games on the trot. Um, and everyone else has lost a couple it did give us a bit of a cushion obviously you want to keep that going for as long as possible but I think if we won today it was a bit of a six pointer if you like but if we lost it's not quite it's not quite as um, impactful as that um, and hopefully we can go on another run with just one defeat um, yeah and, and hopefully it's not it's not uh, I don't think it's going to define our season anyway put it that way so an excellent win for Fergusley then, but Clydesdale are still very much the ones to beat. Next weekend's game against Stirling County will be fascinating. Elsewhere in the Western Premier, Stirling bounced back from their defeat in the Round Cup final with a 61-run win over Greenock. Matthew Tweedy scoring 94 and Brandon McMullen adding figures of 5 for 16 to his 67 against the league's bottom team, for whom Neil Flack scored 67. Uddingston got the better of West of Scotland in a tight game at Bothwell Castle Policies, despite James Fenner and Andrew Hislop's half-centuries and Callum Dutia's 4-for-25, Mohamed Oasis' 79 and a crucial ninth-wicket stand between Brian Clark and Thomas Wilmot being enough to get them over the line by two wickets. 
Langside claimed their second win of the season by beating Pollock by 16 runs at Albert Park, while Prestwick recorded a big win over Dumfries, Sachin Chowdhury scoring 124 and Majid Hack an unbeaten 87 as they posted a mammoth 304 for 4 before bowling Dumfries out for 109, Majid taking 4 for 36. Prestwick stay fourth, just ahead of Uddingston, who are continuing their charge up the table. So before we go, what's catching your eye in the week ahead? Well, the Arbroath Meagle game in the Eastern Premier will be a fascinating one. And so too Clydesdale Stirling County in the Western Premier, first playing third there. And there's round three of the Super Series at Fort Hill and the final of the Masterton Trophy at Grange Loan between Carlton and Grange to look forward to as well. And of course, there's the start of the 100. It's been controversial, that's for sure, but free-to-air cricket featuring three Scotland stars, I am here for that. Thank you very much. So we'll have lots to talk about again, I'm sure. But that's it from us for another week. Thanks to Shane and thank you to you for listening. From the two of us, until next time, goodbye.